Welcome to the Misfit Stars Podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Hi, Shannon. Hi, sweetie. Listeners, it's great to have you here. Shannon, you too. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. It's just, it's a great day on the Misfit Stars Podcast. <laughs> Later on in this episode, we are continuing our ongoing discussion on sobriety and recovery. This week, we're going to get into the middle part of Shannon's story. I don't even know if that's the right frame. It's just like I kind of, as soon as I was done sharing my origin story Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, like that same day, I busted out my computer and started talking about all the stuff that I wanted to talk about, like the just things, taking notes. You mean the things I had learned, like the next things I wanted to share. Yeah. You know, like, and it was really just all the stuff that, like, because the origin story was like all the crap that got me to the place where I felt like I needed recovery, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I'm so eager to share all the good stuff, like all the stuff I learned, the stuff that changed in me, and how. Yeah, and so. I don't even know if this is like a story that I have for you today, like a middle part of anything. It's just like a bunch of good stuff. Oh, that's great. You know what I mean? Well, you know, when I said middle part, really in my mind, like when I think about how I'm doing my side of this, my my parts uh, on the alternating weeks, I, in my mind, structured it as a very classic AA share. And and that's a three-act play. That's what happened. No, no, what it was like. Yeah, okay. What happened. And what it's like now. Okay, yeah. You know, like yeah. before, middle, and like bring up to the current. Yeah. Like the, the change that happened and all that, you know? And so in my mind, like it's when I the, do mine, it'll be the middle part. The middle of that. But maybe yours, maybe yours isn't. You know, I don't know. We're, we're just going to see. And I have so many notes too. We're just going to have to see how quickly we get through them. Maybe it'll be a two-parter. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. You know, I wanted to say before we go any further, you know, mm. this is going to be the second part of the podcast, but I want to make sure I say up front, just a deep thank you to everybody who has written to us mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks to say, you know, words of encouragement and thanking us for sharing our stories so far. Like, it, it's really been quite an uplift to hear from you all. And yes. that's not why we did this, but it really still just uh, feels very validating and encouraging. And I'm, I'm like, really happy to hear that this, that, that our, our sharing of our stuff has made an impact on people enough that they want to write and say thank you. Yeah, it's really like, cool. That's really, I have had so many wonderful conversations about sobriety over the last couple of weeks because of this yeah. stuff. And it's, it's, that's why I do it. You know what I mean? Cause then I can be of service subsequently to people yeah. who want to talk about this stuff. Yep. So also I'll, I'll add on a, a pre, what's the word I'm looking for here? My coffee hasn't quite, did, quite kicked in yet. <laughs> the thing you say before something else, like a, a preface, pre- a preface, yeah, a prefatory statement. Uh, anyone who hears this stuff and wants someone to talk with about uh, sobriety or recovery stuff, please feel free to to message me. And I, f- I think Shannon also yeah. is the same, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm Jamie at MisfitStars.com and Shannon is Shannon at MisfitStars.com. So yeah, uh, it's going to yeah. be so much good stuff in the second half. Yay. Uh, well, we hope. Yeah. No, I, I'm eager to share. It's going to be great. Oh, good. Do you have your sound machine? I do have the sound machine. You know, I should have started the show with it, really. Oh, I'm kind of sleeping on the job. Yeah, How about we do this one? October sound effects. So good. So good. Hopefully by the end of the month. Wait, there's more. Oh, there's always more. So good with the sound machine. You hit the button and then it goes for 30, 45 seconds to the point where you're like, really, sound machine, stop actually. One time would have been good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully I'll have my act together enough by the end of the month to start the show oh, with it one time. Okay, sure. Great. But in the meantime, thanks for reminding me, and I'll make sure to fire this bad boy up. Yeah. yeah. Repeatedly, like when you're talking about sensitive stuff. No, 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 not then. Not then. But right now, uh, Jamie, what is Misfit Stars? What is, oh, the, what is it? What it, are we doing here? 
Well, first, the first thing we're trying to do is just be of service to people. Yeah. Uh, that's number one. Yeah. We've learned that by when we share what we're thinking about, sometimes other people see themselves in the stuff we're talking about mm. and that's how you make connections with people mm. and once you have a connection then you can lift each other up in life and that's the best and yeah. so good uh misfit stars is also sort of a social club kind of <gasps> well yeah. i know well it really kind of is because we apropos of this community building thing that the podcast sort of became you know, because of that mm-hmm. seeing each other's stories mm-hmm. aspect to it. Uh, we turned it into a support community for the work that we do. And then people who support us through our Misfit Stars support mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. also get to be part of our private Misfit Stars social network. Yes. Which is so good and wonderful and a balm for my weary soul. Yes. Every and, day. And also... Uh, the venue for hard-hitting debates like what is the best Halloween candy. So far, Raging debate in there so far. So far, I think that Reese's peanut butter cups are maybe floating to the top of the list. Which I is why so- we need more and different people <laughs> in the Misfit Star social oh, network because that's messed up. Good segue. No, it's not. It's on my list. But what about yeah, no, getting into that social network? How can folks do that? Well, before we... Jamie. Before, I'll tell... Well, Misfitstars.com slash join. But I want to go back to the Reese's thing because <laughs> really to me, the, the sub-question that really immediately has to be asked is, is it the flat, wide Reese's peanut butter cups or is it the Halloween-sized... We're talking, thinner, deeper ones. We're talking about Halloween candy. So it's, so the, it's, the, it's the miniatures. So it's the higher chocolate ratio. Yeah, That's sure. interesting to me. I mean, like, also on my list is the mini Snickers. I don't know mm. what. I mean, I like Snickers, but like the mini Snickers, it's very special. Like, well, the little, you just pop them in your mouth. It's like little vitamins. Yeah. Yeah. So please, so, support our work, people. That's what we're trying to tell you yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this Reese's stuff, <laughs> it's, it's ancillary to the point, which is, uh, you know, we do our work in a non-transactional way. It's supported in large part these days by a community of people mm. who believe in it. I imagine there might be someone listening right now who believes in what we're doing, who loves the podcast, maybe, maybe listens to us every week and maybe like thinks thoughts along with us. Maybe you even message with us on Facebook or somewhere, Mm -hmm. but you've maybe not yet become a supporter of our work. Well, you know, let me tell you, there's no better time to do it than right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, the best time to do it would have been like three months ago. (laughs) But the second best time is right now. Misfitstars.com slash join. Or if you don't want to join, you're not so much of a joiner, but you'd rather just support our work, misfitstars.com slash support. They're both totally viable options. It's a really choose your own adventure. You can do whichever fits more with the kind of person you see yourself as being. Yeah, I like that. But we would appreciate it. We could always use more support for our work. I'll tell you on my end, ever Mm. since I did that post on Facebook a couple of weeks ago about the music mentorship I do, I have taken on so many more music (laughs) mentorship people. So like on a practical level, I actually... Actually, I'm getting to the point where I really need literally more financial support for that work because like a lot of these people can't pay for it themselves. Like that's sort of the nature of a lot of this work is that it's sort of not a charge the artist kind of thing. It's a way that I can be supportive to the artist, but it takes time. Yeah, and in some cases, like the artist can pay you something, but not your full rate. So they're mm-hmm. subsidized by the support of our Misfit Stars community, which is all good. Like it's all good vibes. It's so wonderful. Yeah. But you're right. You've gotten a lot more uh, messages about more mentorship, which is wonderful. Misfit Stars, if you are a member of, the, of Misfit Stars, you're supporting that work. You are supporting Jamie, imparting his years and years of knowledge and expertise in recording engineering and mixing and producing 
to other artists, empowering them to do this for themselves so that there is more art in the world made by more people who are art makers. It's, it's awesome. So good. You're doing amazing work, Misfit Stars. Good job, y'all. I had a first call today, mm -hmm. uh, literally two hours ago, with a singer-songwriter from rural Vermont yeah. who wants to learn how to, in her words, be empowered. I love it. That's her frame for it. She wants to be empowered yes. to make her own recordings at home. Amen. Because she keeps going to studios, local studios in Vermont, mm -hmm. and paying people, you know, $50 an hour or whatever it oh, is man. to help get her ideas out of her brain into a computer. That's where you record things these yes. days, not tape, but the computer, yep. right? And if we can empower her to do that, she already has. Like I, I last year, I helped her get set up with an interface. That's how you get the sounds from the real world into the computer yep. and a microphone. And she's got good instruments and she has a really lovely voice. She writes songs. She's got all the pieces she needs. She just needs help putting all that together and some mentorship through just like figuring out how to learn mm -hmm. how to start recording. Yeah. Because like when you're first starting out with this, the very like the, the very vague idea of I want to record myself. It's hard to know, functionally speaking, how to learn that. What order do you learn things yep. in? So I told her, like, you've got to learn how to edit audio. You've got to learn how to comp vocals. That's when you record multiple takes and edit the best parts together. You have to learn how to record on a grid so that you can edit things together in a way you're where teaching, the timing makes sense. Basically, you're teaching people really just like nitty gritty detail stuff. Yeah. Like, you are doing what she wants. She wants to be empowered. You're empowering her to do this work herself. I mean, really, which is amazing. Really, I'm just a, a conduit. It's Misfit Stars. There you go. It's our Misfit Stars support That's community it. who is empowering this songwriter. Yeah, That's who's doing it. Because without the financial support, paying for some of my time to do this, I literally couldn't do it because I would just have to be like a little squirrel going out, spending all day running around looking for acorns. That's right. <laughs> In this case, Acorns is money. So thank you, Misfit Stars. And if you're not yet a member, misfitstars.com slash support. Thank you. Awesome. Do you have any announcements? Announcements, announcements, announcements. You should really take the first one. Can do. Oh. Our remix album is out on all streaming services. Hold on, that calls for a sound. Oh. Oh. Very scary. Yeah. It's not actually that spooky of a remix album. Uh, no, it's great. Actually, it kind of feels really good to listen to it. It's, it's a lot of very creative musical interpretations with Shannon's voice yeah. over the top. It's so good. Uh, so that's out there in the world. You can just look up Shannon on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, whatever you like, it's there. It's called And Her Song Becomes a Remix. Yep. Because all the songs on this remix album were originally songs on our 2020 album, which was called and her whisper becomes a storm. Ah, oh, so good. Such a clever title. Man, and that's smart. And her song becomes a remix. Dang. It's great. You can go stream it. Uh, if you'd like to uh, have a CD, we are having CDs made. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm hijacking your announcement. I'm so sorry. Oh, you're doing great, sweetheart. Okay, great. And let's lump another record in there, too. The release day for 202101, because we're not just putting one record out this month. That's for underachievers. We're actually putting out two records this month, both of them full length. The remix album is one, and then the official version of 202101, that amazing record that Shannon wrote and we recorded in a serialized, sequential fashion this spring. That's coming out. It's getting its full, proper release. We've already uploaded the digital files to the distributor. It'll be on Spotify and Apple Music, etc. Friday, October 22nd. We're also making a limited run of CDs uh, well, for both of these titles, you can have one. They're very limited. We're making 100 of the remix album and 200 of 202101. Very limited. That's it. Yep. Uh, and I can't imagine we'll be making more of them. So if you want one, message one of us. Uh, you have our email addresses from earlier in the episode. If you want us to reserve one for you, we'll do that. Uh -huh. Just let us know. Okay. 
Um, oh, with 2021, we're also doing a virtual concert. Oh, yes. Uh, a virtual concert the day after release day. So the album comes out the 22nd. The 23rd of October, a virtual concert on YouTube. Um, it's going to be me in our basement here in Tacoma mm -hmm. performing, uh, I mean, maybe for, I mean, for, certainly for the first time, maybe for the only time. The songs from 2020-101. I mean, like, it could be. it's so weird. Usually we go on tour with a batch of new songs and we play them a bunch, but this might be it. Dang, like, and these songs are so good. <laughs> so it's going to happen on the 23rd of October. Um, if you uh, go to my website, shannoncurtis.net, and you click on the tour button, actually right on there on the first page is a link to where you can um, uh, reserve like or, or, or remind yourself about the YouTube um Event. You just and click on the YouTube link for it, which is there, and then YouTube will let you to set a it'll let you set a reminder. Yeah, it's and great. Then it'll just tell you. So it's going to be at 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, that's 10 p.m. Eastern on October 23rd, Saturday night. Um, and then afterwards, mm -hmm. we're having an after party. Misfit stars only. It's a Misfit Stars exclusive after party. That's right. So you've got to be a member of Misfit Stars. If you're a member, you have already been uh, sent an invitation to the Zoom after party that we're having as soon as the concert's over. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, let us know you're coming. If you're in the social Misfit Stars social network, you can RSVP to the event and we'll let you uh, let us know that you're coming and we'll look forward to seeing you. How fun. Yay. Next announcement, personal songs. Woohoo! Oh my gosh, we're doing a booming business this fall in personal songs. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this is exactly the reason that we opened them up for the holidays so much earlier in the year than we typically do. Yeah. It's to give people time to think about it, plan for it, and then make it happen and have just plenty of time for that to feel like a comfortable process what's for a, them. What's a personal song? Oh, a personal song. People, this is so great. So a personal song, it's where you can, this will sound crazy, but bear with me. <laughs> you can literally hire Shannon to with her world-class, unparalleled <laughs> songwriting and emotion-channeling skills, <laughs> write a song for you about somebody you care about. So we do so many of these typically around the holidays, but we always have people when we announce it, typically in like middle of October, being like, man, I wish you would let me know earlier, I already got my big gift for the year. Well, guess what? Now you've got time. Typically, like a spouse will give this to another spouse. It could be like a love song. We uh, did one recently, Shannon did one recently for a deceased grandmother. It was like honoring her life. We did one, we spotlit it last week uh, on the personal song spotlight feature where it was for a, from a mom for her high school aged daughter to celebrate uh, a personal transformation the daughter had undergone. It's just, you can celebrate anything you want to in your life. Shannon walks you through a personalized, like, just question and answer process to get you writing paragraphs over email, just describing the situation. Then she goes into what you wrote, finds, like, the common themes, the underlying themes that even you didn't realize were there, but your <laughs> subconscious had your fingers type them. She somehow figures out what they are and then uses those, sometimes even literally uses little phrases, little words that maybe you used a few times more than the average bear. Uh, and she writes them into a song and it's so meaningful and it's just for you. And it's the kind of thing where like someone else listening to the song might be like, yeah, it's a nice song. I like it. It's a good song. It's got a good melody. Uh, it's got maybe a good rhythm. I, I enjoy it as a song. But you and the person you wrote it for 
will hear all the hidden meaning inside of it because all the lyrics are going to be about your life. Yeah. And it's so special. And it's like a secret little thing that you get for each other. It's just the best gift in the world. I'm waxing rhapsodic (laughs) about it now because it's just so cool. I love them so much. I get to hear them when Shannon is done with them because then like when she finishes writing and recording them, I get to mix them and add my little bit of sonic sauce there, my little bit of interpretive elements there. And hopefully, you know, convey that emotion even a little more directly to you. It's just the best Thing. Uh, we reserved 10 spots for them this uh, for this holiday season. There are seven left. There's seven left. Yeah. We tend to be, we seem to be booking one to two a week right now. Yeah, that's what's happening. So if it continues, that's great. We've got 10 spots to fill. I'd love to fill them. What it also means though, is that if you have been kind of thinking about this, hearing the announcements about it, putting it off, you can probably put it off for another week or two, but don't <laughs> don't get cocky because all the other people who are doing what you're doing right now, mm. like the people who reached out for the initial information and they went dark, we will hear from them. <laughs> and about half of them will want to do this, meaning that all of a sudden the spots will go broom, and, they're, and they're gone. If you'd like me to send you more information, by, yeah. by the way, by, by contacting me to get uh, information, you're not committing yourself. You're just getting information. Yeah. I'll send you uh, the different project options and the pricing and sort of just how the whole process works and then we'll take it from there. But you can email me at shannon at misfitstars.com and I will send you that information. And it is so oh, cool. We love these. We're doing a, a sort of a temporary uh, mini feature here in the podcast during um, this time where we're f- we're spotlighting a personal song that I've done for somebody in the past. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to do that right before the break. Um, it's a very, very sweet song that Love a, this one. a person, a woman gave to um, her parents for their 50th wedding anniversary. How sweet. So sweet. So see, they don't have to be love songs. It can be for anyone you care about. Yeah. Uh, and one more announcement. Our next meeting of our anti-racist book and movie club. Yeah. The Misfit Stars Anti-Racist Book and Movie Club. Uh, it's this coming Sunday, October 17th. And we're doing the first half of the Ibram X. Candy book. How to how, be an anti-racist. How to be an anti-racist. Chapters one through nine. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's great. We're going to read it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to learn and grow together. Well, we're not going to read it at the discussion. You read it before the discussion. That'd and be then, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Five hour long discussion, just going around and around and around, everybody reading one paragraph. Oh, it'd be terrible. No, you come having read the first nine chapters, and then we just talk yes. about what we've learned. That's right. The past uh, meetings, we do this once a month, the Anti-Racist Book and Movie Club. Every time the meetings get a little deeper, a little better. Oh, so good. There seems to be a core group that keeps returning, and so we're all just getting to know the vibe and getting and that trust level. There have been new folks each time, too. Every so time. if you haven't been, don't feel like you're coming in a par- on a party late. Like Mm-mm. We'd love to have you. Just know that there's a good, stable, nurturing core of people there to help guide you through your first experience. Yeah. You will love it. Uh, if you're in Misfit Stars, just ask us to be in the club if you're not already. If you're not and you want to join, misfitstars.com slash join. There you go. <laughs> so good. Wow, so scary. Mm-hmm. So, oh, James- there's more. Oh, I hope this doesn't reflect the question, the answer to the question I'm about to ask you, but Jamie, how are you feeling? You know what? <laughs> Despite what you might think from the sounds coming out of the thing I'm holding in my right hand, actually very good. good. I'm not feeling <laughs> shrieky or undead at all. I feel happy. Mm. I have just been feeling very stable and very happy with where I'm at right now in my life for the past few weeks. It's good. Mm. That work I did last month to clear out that weird energy that I had been harboring really has had lasting Mm. repercussions. Mm. And I felt very good since then. Uh, 
happy and productive and uh, fulfilled in the work that I'm doing, excited for the new work I have upcoming. Mm. I'm meeting a lot of new people right now, mm. a lot of new musicians. Uh, people just seem to be coming out of the woodwork. Maybe it's just like an autumn thing. People are ready. They're post-summer. They want to get focused. I don't know what it is, but mm. I've met so many people on Facebook and on Twitter uh, over the last, I don't know, 10 days or so. And I have like provisional projects like sketched out with like easily half of them. And some of them are mentorships. Some of them are like, hey, let's work on an album. It's like mm. this whole gamut of things. Cool. I'm excited for all of it. It's all good. The universe seems to be attracting nifty music into my life right now and I'm into it. So I feel happy. I just feel pretty good. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? I feel good. I, I'm trying to like really just get present right now and, and describe how I'm feeling in this moment. Mm. And I feel uh, my mood is is happy. Mm-hmm. I feel happy. You look happy. I uh, My body feels good. We had a really healthy dinner tonight. And so, so I'm healthy. Feeling, that feels good. Um, I am, I just have found myself having a, just a generally like optimistic outlook for my life mm. the last couple of days, and that feels nice. That is nice. Um, I'm also residually feeling very loved upon. <laughs> um, my, my, my birthday was a couple of days ago, and I, you know, social media, for all of its ills, <laughs> for all of its detriments, it's pretty awesome to get messages of love on your birthday via social media because everybody knows it's your birthday. <laughs> Great place so, to get 700 birthday wishes. Yeah, right? So, yeah. so, um, but not just the, you know, the broad happy birthday messages from all the people I barely know on social media, but also just, you know, loved ones, friends calling, texting, and, um, and just getting to do fun things. Like just, I, I just feel... I feel loved, mm. so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, that that's me. Happy, loved, good. Well, I just think that's great. Yeah. Well, hey, how about we fire up the good news machine? <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. That sounds like a good news machine sound effect to me. <laughs> Excellent. Either you, this noise wanna... is celebrating how good the news is or mocking the very idea of good news in this time. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Do you have, what's your good news? I've got some. Okay, wait, what is So it? there's this guy, Andy Slavitt. He is like a health policy expert. He's yeah. this brilliant guy. He uh, was quoted like today, it's brand new news, uh, saying that forthcoming studies are going to show, studies he's seen, uh-huh. show that mixing and matching of vaccines is not just safe, but also has advantages over single regimen boosters. That's so interesting. So like we could get like a, eventually a booster from a different manufacturer than our original vaccination and maybe it would be beneficial. Absolutely. And also like Johnson and Johnson people could get a booster of something else and it would be just great because I guess like they stimulate antibody production from slightly different angles. I like it. Each of them, meaning that your system might theoretically have a more robust and well-rounded response. It would have more than one tool to fight this incoming virus. That sounds like good science news. I love good science news. I like it too. I have some good science news too. Okay, what's yours? Uh, Mine's not, mine is not uh, COVID related, Mm. uh, but it is science and virus related. Mm. Um, And that is that uh, last week, the WHO approved the very first malaria vaccine, which honestly, this is like world changing, like, earth-shatteringly good news. Malaria kills like tens of thousands of particularly children each Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. in countries where malaria is is rampant. and Which is a lot of the world that's not here. We don't think about it in 
America because it's not a problem here, but it's a, a huge problem in most other places. In a lot of other places. Yeah. And so, I mean, this, the, they have struggled for a very long time to develop a vaccine yeah. for malaria, and they finally have one that, that has gotten approval from the WHO. It's massive. I mean, like this, this will literally save the lives of tens of thousands of kids every single year. It's so it's really exciting. Just unmitigated good news. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I like that there's no caveat to yeah. that good news. It just is good. So pretty now, awesome. Is this an RNA vaccine? You know, I didn't I I, I don't know that I, I had read a couple of months back that they were that they were uh using the mRNA technology mm -hmm. that Moderna and Pfizer COVID vaccines are mm -hmm. based on in developing the malaria vaccine as well. A I malaria vaccine. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if that's the same one or not. Yeah. So, um, but 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 certainly, no matter what, the mRNA vaccine technology is very exciting mm -hmm. in terms of being able to to fight various diseases in the future. Man. So, all good news. Super good news. Yeah, so um, <laughs> as far as our adventures this last What's week. Was that like a scary horse? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was my birthday. This is the adventures horse. Birthday ad horse adventures. Uh, we drove around town. All I wanted to do on my birthday is drive around town and look at fall colors. So that's what we did. That's literally what we, we did. We just drove around and sipped uh, a yummy drink and had a yummy baked good in the car. Mm -hmm. I had a croissant and you had a, I had a cupcake. cupcake. And we, we looked at the fall colors on trees. Oh, look at that tree. Oh, look at that tree. I am officially old. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm that's into what that. that means. That's great. And we were able to also uh, go see some friends, uh, a, a friend with whom I share a birthday. Mm -hmm. And that was really fun for a little outdoor hang um, a little bit later in the day. It was a good day. I felt great. Love um, it. Yeah. And besides that, uh, really, we were just working on getting these CD packages shipped off. So much graphic uh, design, so much graphic production. Yeah. So much, but so much computer time. Look awesome, and we can't wait to send our misfit stars their CDs. Yeah, uh, these are going to be hot packages. Who would like to get one? Yeah. Uh, just let us know. Please uh, do. Should we do our personal song spotlight? Let's okay. Do the personal song spotlight. Wait, I have a sound for that. Oh, you do. Oh, it's very so when, very Halloweeny. When you think about personal songs. Think about the opposite of this sound. Oh, yeah, exactly. And it's really pretty accurate. Okay, I'm really excited about this week's Spotlight um, for a couple of different reasons. I really love this song. Me too. But one very unique feature of this song, uh, I think it's the only one of the songs that I have selected so far for the Spotlights that is a full studio production song. So, mm -hmm. so far in Spotlights 1 and 2, they've been acoustic projects. And these are the two different options that we offer people. We can do an acoustic project mm -hmm. for a certain uh, uh, you know level, and then which is a, like piano and voice. Yeah, it's like a, you have piano and me singing, an acoustic, just very simple. Uh, but there's the full studio option, which is really fun, and I mm -hmm. love when I get to do these. Me too. Because I get to use all the tools at my disposal to build a fully fleshed out production of uh, of the song. So like I, I it's it's like it's like. The kind of thing that I would do that I do for my regular records when yeah. I make a song, you know, I'm using drums and bass and strings and whatever, whatever instruments. Just a shitload of synthesizers. Yeah, and synthesizer, whatever comes to mind. I want, and I feel like, oh, this would be a really lovely color for painting this story in this song. I have the full palette available to me, and mm -hmm. I love doing these projects. And this one that we're highlighting, spotlighting this week, is uh, a full studio production. 
So you're going to hear what that means here in a minute. But um, this was a, a song that a woman uh, gave to um, her parents for their 50th wedding anniversary last year. So sweet. And um, I just, her story was so lovely. I mean, I had, I had questions for her, like I do for all of the people who I do these songs with. Mm-hmm. And she, um, it, it was really interesting she told me way more about their family history than I had even asked for. Oh, that's so cool. But it ended up being really important to the story. Like she went back a couple of generations before her grandparent, excuse me, before her parents into her grandparent and great-grandparent generations to tell the story because so much of what shaped the people that her parents are has to do with the lives of those generations back. Both mm-hmm. of, both families were immigrant families. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of struggle in like, you know, um, in their histories of, you know, doing what they needed to do to get their families to a safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those, they were refugee families in, mm-hmm. in I think in a couple of the cases. Um, so that, that was a really important part of the story that I didn't even know that I was going to need, but it found its way into the song. You'll hear it in a minute. People always seem like, Subconsciously to know, yep. like what's, intuitively to know what details to tell you to get the best possible song. What's important, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she also expressed to me that they aren't a family, like as even as she was a kid, like they weren't, her parents weren't people who expressed their love in ver- via verbal communication. Mm-hmm. They were more like, expressing their love for each other and for their family in actions mm-hmm. and in sacrifices made for each other. And this totally ties back into like their ancestral history, which I just really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, she also mentioned how they really modeled um, uh, seeing the best in other people mm. and and how these were, these were attributes that she wanted to let her parents know that they were carrying on. These are like the family traditions that- I love that, that intentionality. To, yes, that she wanted to carry that on. So um, so yeah, that, that was sort of the, the, the theme of the song was that idea of love in action and, um, and, and that carrying on that example is how she intends to show her love for them by mm. carrying on their legacy, which I just loved. So the song is called Show Our Love mm-hmm. and we're gonna hear it now. Jamie, are you ready to play it for us? Here we are. Is the tale of 
Yes, it is. Um, it, it stands up too. We, you know, because yeah. like you do a song and you kind of put it out in the world, and especially like the personal songs, we don't subsequently typically like use them for performances or anything like that. So they just kind of drift into the past. To hear it for the first time since I think we did it, yeah, and have it be like that good sounding to me is <laughs> wonderful. I love it. It's, it's really it's like oh, that's good. I like that. It's cool. Yeah, and she liked it too. She her response to me when she when I sent the song to her. There were lots of exclamation points in her email back. Thank you. This is beautiful. My eyes teared up when I listened. Um, she, it was so interesting. This is I wrote this in 2020 for her, and she said there is so much going on in these in the world these days. True. Uh, and she said you are definitely an intuitive empath, which Aww. was a very lovely comment. I also thought it was interesting because, like, I mean, the song had nothing to do with what was going on in the world, but I think she definitely. It sounded to me like she made a connection with feeling sort of a balm in this song as sort of like a, a, a like as an antidote to all that was going on in the world. Sure. I mean, it still is going on in the world, but mm. you know, 2020 was a particularly scary time. It was sort of like new. Rough year, yeah. It was, an, it was newly hard for all of us, mm-hmm. you know, in that time. But, um, but this expression, I think, was maybe something that was helping her, it seemed like. Um, but I, I uh, really appreciated her words and, and I was thrilled that she liked it, so... Awesome. Yeah. People, you can make this happen in your life too, this same kind of magic. Just send Shannon an email, shannon at misfitstars.com, and just let her know that you are curious about personal songs and you want to get more info on it, and she'll send it to you. And then you can go from there. Easy as that. Mm-hmm. All right. So we should take a short break. Yes. And then we'll come back and dive into the next part of my recovery stuff. Shannon's <laughs> in the hot seat after the break. I'm in the hot seat. See you soon. Man, 
Have I said spooktacular yet this month? I'm not sure. No, it's our October spooktacular. So I hope you're all enjoying that. <laughs> Both the fact of it and my use of the word spooktacular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Definitely. it's original, no one's ever used it before, and that's what's cool about it. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. Definitely not hackneyed. No. Nor trite. No. Nor overused. Mm-hmm. Nor please, weary. Please no more adjectives. <laughs> Worn. Humdrum. Please no more synonyms. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, without further synonyms yeah. or ado, it's time to turn our attention once again to our sobriety and recovery. Yeah. yeah. And so you're on the hot seat today. I am. So what uh, do you have to share with us today, Shannon? So I, like Is I said- Is there a frame for this? I, I Loosely, loosely, there's a frame. As soon Whoa. as I- I bonked my microphone. Good job. That's usually your, your thing. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so usually, so as soon as we got done with recording the episode about my origin story two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I opened up my laptop and I was like typing away at all the yummy goody stuff I wanted to share about like what I learned mm-hmm. and what changed in my life as a result of getting my ass into recovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I kind of like, like the loose the big umbrella frame is like what I learned and what changed and why did it change that's yeah. sort of like the big overarching stuff here um, but I wanted to you know and if you haven't listened to my origin story yet I recommend like stopping right now and going back two weeks to uh, the episode where we talked about my origin story. That's because, uh, the 29th, September 29th. September 29th. Uh, and listen to that episode because I really think that that will just set up all of the context for <laughs> what you're about to hear me share. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so, you know, in that, uh, that podcast, I described sort of like what we call the causes and conditions. Like the, the yeah. things that sort of like... Um, uh, contributed to me becoming someone who was a codependent. Right. And, you know, in framing that, like I was thinking about it, you know, I I came to an understanding in recovery that the unhealthy behaviors that define my codependency, mm-hmm. they grew out of coping mechanisms that I developed in my childhood and in my youth. Right. You know, these were, those, those, um, coping mechanisms might have served me at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but I was just, you know, I was young. I, was, I mean, they by definition did, otherwise yeah. you wouldn't have evolved them. True, that's true, right? So, but I was grasping at anything that I could, that I could, uh, that I could. I was just trying to get through the the chaos or the hurt or the trauma of those experiences, you know, and just, and, and also looking to those in my life who are modeling how to get through that stuff and like, adopting those methods of coping mechanisms too, you know? Um, Which were also probably not super healthy all the time. Yeah, exactly. So like I did what I had to do. We all do. We all do what we have to do. Um, So they may have served me at that time when I developed those coping mechanisms, but the problem, and I came to understand this in recovery, is that I brought those coping mechanism behaviors along with me into adulthood and they no longer served me. Mm -mm. (laughs) In fact, became detrimental to my life and to my relationships Mm -hmm. when I became an adult. Mm -hmm. And um, I heard uh, Glennon Doyle share something uh, listening to her podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I'm, I'm totally going to paraphrase what she said in a way that fits my circumstances, but I'm, I'm definitely like borrowing this idea from something (laughs) that she said. The originating circumstances of my codependency aren't my fault. Right. 
but it is my responsibility to deal with my codependency. Oh, absolutely. Right? So like, I just thought it was really helpful to frame it in that way. And here's why. It helps Can me. Can I chime in? Sure. Just because this ties into, there, there's an AA saying for this, yep. which is, I'm not responsible for the first thought, but I am responsible for the second thought. Sure. It's exactly the same idea. It helps this this frame of it not, of, of the, the circumstances not being my fault, but it, it is being my my responsibility to deal with mm -hmm. these behaviors. It helps me contextualize my, my recovery in two ways. Mm -hmm. First, on the front of self-worth, because I needed a new understanding that I am a worthy person. Yes. I am worthy of love and belonging just because I am. Yes. Not because of anything that I've done to perform or, or, or earn it, right. or earn worthiness. Worthiness isn't earned, it's and intrinsic. This idea that, that these behaviors where the coping mechanisms originally were not my fault mm -hmm. allowed me to leave behind messages that um, uh, that I struggled in these relationship areas because I'm somehow a faulty person, yeah. right? So like being able to assign an, or, an origin, like, oh, those, that's where those behaviors came from. Yeah. And those circumstances in which those behaviors were formed were not my fault. Right. So it helps me to get to an understanding of my own self-worth mm -hmm. because I'm not looking at myself as being broken or faulty. And it also helps ways. you separate your identity from those circumstances. Right, yeah, totally, totally. The second thing that it really helps me in terms of this like, not my fault, but it is my responsibility thing, mm -hmm. is that it helps me really focus on the idea that, that uh, about taking responsibility for my own life. Right. Um, because I, I used to blame and resent people for the hurt that I was feeling, right? right? But I can break that cycle of blame and resentment that kept me in my codependency because I now understand that getting healing and peace and growth in these areas of my life are up to me and mm -hmm. no one else. Which is empowering. It's empowering. It is the definitions of I have agency to actually get my life in order. Yeah. You know, so the separating out, it's the, the conditions were not my fault, but it is my responsibility was really helpful. You um, are neither the sum total of the things that have happened to you, <laughs> nor unable to do anything about it. Right, yeah, which is, it, it was so clarifying. Yeah. Because I described a couple weeks ago how I had felt trapped. Yeah. And those, the undoing, th th this, this framework that we were just talking about redefines everything in a way that opens the trap door. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it, this is the way out from that feeling of being trapped. You Maybe know. it's not a trap door. Oh, it's those a, are generally escape fraught. Hatch. Yes. Escape hatch. That's what I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the last thing you need at that situation is a trap door. Really? A trap door now of all times? <laughs> exactly. That would be worse. And trap, now I'm in an a, alligator pit. This is door, terrible. This has gone from bad to worse. A trap door at the bottom of a trap door. Um, so, <laughs> no, so here's the thing, though. The, 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 the thing that I can do about it, which I learned in recovery, and which I want to say... Uh, is the thing that made all all the all the ooey gooey yummy amazing stuff that I want to share with you in this episode about like what I learned and what changed mm -hmm. all of it came from the fact of me working the steps right that is where all the goodness comes from mm -hmm. and and the the agency I'm talking about is me actually working the steps do you want to um, talk for a sec about like what that actually means for people who don't know 
Or do you want me to? I, you know, you could if you want to. I didn't. I didn't take notes on that, so I'm not like prepared with a oh, no, just a thumbnail sketch. Okay. I just want. For, I don't want anyone to be listening to this right now and just and, and go. What are the steps? Oh, great, great. Yeah, so do a rundown. Thank what you. Shannon means is that like when you get sober in a recovery program, oftentimes it'll be a 12 step recovery program, and it just gets thrown out as a term so often it's easy to forget that there's literally 12 steps so true and it's a program of action so you don't get sober by going to the meetings you don't get recovery from the meetings you get community mm -hmm. from the meetings and that's great and that's so valuable mm -hmm. but you get your recovery from doing the 12 steps in order steps 1 through 12 you don't leave any out you do them as thoroughly and as fearlessly as you can mm -hmm. with and you don't do them by yourself either you do them with somebody like a mentor who is like who's been around the program mm -hmm. longer than you mm -hmm. who has themselves been through the steps and can then walk you mm -hmm. through it. It's called a sponsor, mm -hmm. right? This, this mentor is. Mm -hmm. And it is through diligently and to the best of your ability and as fearlessly as you can working in order through these 12 steps that you become unburdened of the stuff that you're carrying mm -hmm. and able to deal with it in your life mm -hmm. and, and recontextualize it in a positive way into the, your person into who you are. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's listening and you're like, what's the steps? That's the steps. It's the actual work that you do that makes you feel better. Yes. So. Okay. Yeah. That, and that's it. Um, you know, when I, when I went to my first meeting and I think I alluded to this a couple weeks ago in the origin story, um, I found this meeting near my house. It, they met weekly and I showed up weekly for a very long time. Uh, for the remainder of the time that I lived in that area, mm -hmm. <laughs> I went to this meeting. I even went to it. That's with, right, because I you. met you a year or so into my recovery, and you came with me to that yeah, meeting. Yeah. So you know, I would hear these people talking and sharing their stories, and like the specifics of their circumstances or their stories were different than mine. But so much of their experience was super relatable. Like I really saw myself in a lot of these other people. And you know, if we were just there to commiserate, and that was the end of the story then this would not be such a good story. <laughs> but what I also saw in so many of those people who had been there for a lot longer and who had done the steps themselves, I saw something that I didn't have. And that was just, um, well, for lack of a better word, they had serenity. <laughs> yeah. They had peace in their lives that I did not have, but I could see it, you know? And, you know, like I remember um, the woman who ended up helping me go through my steps. Her name was Nancy. Hmm. Um, Thanks, much, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, a much older woman. Um, but I remember just being absolutely taken with Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because she clearly had this, uh, this presence of peace in her life that I didn't have and really wanted. And so if the path to getting that was doing the steps, then well, okay, sign me up. You know, yeah. but that's, that's how I got into actually doing the work was seeing the results of it in other people mm -hmm. and wanting it for myself. Um, and, and here's the thing about the steps for me. Like I, we talked, we've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about shame. Mm -hmm. I think when I think about the process of the steps for me and my experience with it, it is that they can be summed up in with the statement of, of unburdening myself of all of the things that had been causing me shame. Sure. Um, you know, I, I've, I've grappled and I, you shared last week in your origin story 
about this sort of metaphor about how we all have a hole inside of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like in your case, you filled it with alcohol and drugs. And in my case, it was unhealthy relationship behaviors, you know, the, those coping mechanisms. And I honestly, I have, and I, I have used that metaphor myself before like yes. to explain all this. But I have always in the back of my mind kind of kind of like it's kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way I mm-hmm. think because specifically it brings up echoes of some of the toxic thinking from how I internalized some of the church's teachings about <laughs> like you're born a sinner you've got you know a Jesus sized hole in you and you need oh, it you know what I mean dear. like it, it kind of brings up some of that like uh, tying back into the whole idea of self-worth that like somehow I'm faulty mm-hmm. to begin with but so here's how I've kind of like reimagined or recontextualized that that idea. Like I kind of have this developing understanding of that hole, you know, the mm-hmm. hole inside as being something that exists because of this like cancerous shame ball that I allowed to grow inside me. Mm-hmm. And that I needed to do surgery to remove that tumor, mm-hmm. <laughs> that cancerous shame ball, like all those behaviors that just that came out of a place of shame and fear, but only added more shame and fear to my life when I did them. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's like cancer. They're like, un, it's unhealthy, you know, a replication of cells in your body that shouldn't be happening. You it's know? a growth. Yeah, but the tumor needed to be removed. And, and, and for me, like working those steps was removing the tumor. That's a nice metaphor and too. And also keeping, like I have to keep doing upkeep treatments too. You know, mm-hmm. like I have to, like you don't do recovery once and you're done. No. <laughs> you know, like you, it's something that is now part of my life forever and ever. Same thing with, you know, a lot of cancer treatments. You got to do upkeep treatments to make sure that the cancer stays away. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, a similar thing. Um, like people who quote unquote go through recovery and then don't make it part of their life on an ongoing basis, generally speaking, have really bad outcomes. Yeah. Because generally speaking, after a certain amount of time, two things happen. I mean, it's a two-stage thing. First, they just end up being increasingly miserable. Right. And then they end up going back to the behavior. Right, right, right. And it's pretty inevitable. Yeah. Like you either make a wholesale change, including the maintenance that comes with it, Mm -hmm. or you don't. It's real binary. Right. There are glancingly few, vanishingly few Mm -hmm. examples of people who, yeah, I did the steps one time. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I've never thought about recovery since, and I'm doing great. It's not usually well, how it honestly, works. Honestly, my recovery becomes more deep and more meaningful to me every year of my life. Like yeah. it's it's more part of who I am, and it is it brings me more joy. <laughs> like it mm-hmm. is, it's it builds on itself. But so for me, in the context of codependency, you know, uh, what I learned in recovery is that my performing for acceptance, approval, and praise, mm-hmm. um, that. That that those behaviors, that performance behavior, mm-hmm. was making that shame ball inside me grow and grow and grow, mm-hmm. um, and it led me to this sense of feeling unworthy of love and belonging, all on my own, mm-hmm. and it led to a sense of shame. Uh, that 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 shame about my unworthiness kept me in the cycle of abuse that I put myself through. Mm-hmm. The steps are what got rid of that tumor. Mm-hmm. And the upkeep is what keeps that tumor away. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like where I've sort of, how I've sort of like come to understand um, what the steps of recovery have meant for me. But I want to talk about some of the good stuff. And I really, I really just needed to, to, to preface all this by saying that the, all these things, all these good things that I'm about to tell you that have come to my life <laughs> are the result of taking care of that tumor yeah. and working the steps to take care of it. Yes. So... I have these just like 
bullet points of like various themes. <laughs> I'm just going to start. The okay. first thing is a, a bullet point of feelings. Okay, here's what I learned about feelings. Mm-hmm. I remarkably in recovery learned that I have a right to have my own feelings. Yes. Because in codependency, I was giving away my feelings. I was adopting other people's feelings as a way of them maybe accepting me more or making me feel like I belonged with them. Mm-hmm. I, I, and so I... And you you didn't exactly... You phrased that... I, I would rephrase it like this, okay. as a way of getting them to. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yes. yes as, as a way a, of manipulating them to. As a way of manipulating Real important others. to put this stuff in active voice so thank we know you. where the agency lies. Thank you, thank you. It was with you. Yes. But yeah, as an act of manipulation, yes. I would adopt other people's feelings about things yes. in order to try to get them to approve of me yes. and accept me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned once I dealt with that bad behavior mm-hmm. by realizing, realizing I didn't have to do that anymore, oh my gosh, I realized that I get to have my own feelings. Yes. But first of all, that was actually very scary to me. Yeah. I, I like, honestly didn't know what to do with it. And in, in our the CODA meeting that I went to in Sacramento... Um, at the, those first couple of years, um, <laughs> as part of our like ritual during the meeting, they would pass around these laminated sheets of paper that were just, it was just filled with like, uh, like five columns of words that represent various feelings. And they gave us these pieces of paper because a lot of us in CODA we're not used to identifying our own feelings because wow. we had like not really known how to do that because we had not practiced that. And so having a list was actually really helpful. So like, you got to like pick your emotions. That they, you got to read your menu of emotions yeah. and be like, that one. That one's me today. Yeah, it was, but it was really helpful That's for me. That's so sweet. It was honestly, though, very scary for me to try to get in touch with the part of myself that could identify her own feelings. That was very unknown to me and, I bet and it was, scary. I bet it was also really scary committing to reading something out loud off that page in a group of people and Absolutely. saying, this is how I feel. Yep. Because like, what if they want you to feel a different way? Exactly. Wow. Those pathways of like, what if, what do other people need for me to feel? That Those pathways in my brain were deeply ingrained. Wow. And so going against that was really, really hard. Um, but I also learned that I learned how to feel those feelings. Mm-hmm. Like I learned how to undo that, those pathways and how to recognize and name them. Mm-hmm. And then also via, this is where I, I've, the very first place I ever learned about nonviolent communication strategy was in my CODA meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't looked up nonviolent communication and this interests you, oh my gosh, go on a deep dive on the internet and just like Google nonviolent communication. It's honestly... It was transformative for me when I learned about it because uh, it helped me to to learn how to how to, how to tie a feeling to a need. Mm-hmm. Like I'd never understood that feelings arise as a result of like a need I have in my life right. or in my circumstance. But I learned how to tie a feeling to a need, and once you understand what the need is, then you can figure out what, if anything, you can do about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can I meet this need? Or is this something that I'm gonna have to let go of because I can't do anything about it? You know, like, like, like just the feelings themselves can be so overwhelming and nebulous and squishy and you don't know what to do with them. And like, how, how can I deal with my feelings? But, when, but being empowered to tie a feeling to a need and then being able to adjust that need was life-changing. It was yeah. super life-changing. Anyway. Can I just say how 
into nonviolent communication in a very overt way you were when I first met you. It was, it was so, it was very sweet to see. It was like, clearly it was like, it was like a toy that Shanna had just gotten for Christmas. And she was just like using it all the time. It was her favorite new thing. But it was really helpful. That's yeah. why. And I, I still use it. I mean, mm-hmm. like the base the basic idea for nonviolent communication is like when you're like like say say you're having a conflict with somebody, you mm-hmm. know. Let's say, you know, Jamie, you have said something that has hurt my feelings, yeah. whether you intended to or not. The idea with nonviolent communication is instead of being like, you jerk, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> you yeah. know, you, you identify what you're feeling, tie it to a need and then ask for what you, and ask for what you need. Yeah. So like, you know, Jamie, the thing that you just said um, was hurtful. I, I feel, I feel hurt by that because um I have a need for to to feel supported in this area that you mm-hmm. that you talked about or what you know I'm, and yeah. so I in, have a need in, for you not to be a jerk. In, <laughs> in the future, do you think you could? W- w- would you you know X Y or Z? And you ask for what you need yeah. instead. Lots of would you be willings? But that's the. I mean, that we'll get to boundaries here in a minute. It's on my <laughs> list. <laughs> But like those are the things that I lacked in yeah. my life. I lacked the the ability to me define me and me own my feelings and you define you and you own your stuff and and just having a clear way of communicating between the two entities. Like there was and, and a boundary between the two. Like it's it's all I was lacking all of that before and it resulted in just messy messy relationships in my life. Yeah. Um so I mean, it is still like a new toy I got for Christmas. I love nonviolent communication. <laughs> okay, my next like sort of um, sort of subheading of of categories of things that I learned um, is I, I've titled it freedom and agency. Freedom and agency. I don't know why they're together, but they are. Uh, so here's kind of makes it, sense. I learned so I, I described in my origin story that trapped feeling. Mm-hmm. I was trapped in my life and I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, Um, common story. And that feeling in my recovery was totally replaced with a feeling of freedom. And that feeling of freedom came when I did a searching, fearless, moral inventory and I faced all my own stuff and I made amends. Like the... It sounds, and it is actually very scary to make amends on one level, but my experience- At first, and then it just becomes addictive. Well, that's it. My experience (laughs) of it, like I actually recall feeling like downright giddy when making amends to a few different people in my life. Like I felt like, oh, let's get this done. Here we go. You know, because I, once I realized what what an unburdening it would be and how free I would feel by actually taking care of the stuff that was had been weighing me down and that cancer inside, you know, like it was so, it felt so good. So yeah. that sense of freedom, um, like it, like that, that's how the trap, that's how the, the escape hatch opened. <laughs> that's how the, that's how I gained my freedom. Yeah. Um, but I also learned that I had, like, I, I remember learning, this was early on, that I had been living in my codependency. I had been living at the whim of other people, mm-hmm. like just at the whim of the circumstances of my life. Like, like I, I likened it to being sort of at the tail end of a whip that was being sort of violently 
mm-hmm. and unpredictably swung around in the air. Like mm-hmm. imagine living at the end of a whip. Like yeah. that. just, you don't know which way you're going next and it's violent and it's scary and it's jarring. Yeah, That's how I felt like I was living my life and living in my relationships at the whim of others and at the whim of the circumstances of my life, mm-hmm. completely out of control. Yeah, But with my newfound freedom from shame came this freedom from living at the whim of others also. And in my new freedom, I learned that I have agency. I'm not at the end of the whip. I don't have to be at the end of the whip. You know, that I can decide what I want my life to be. I can direct how I want to live my life. I am in fact the only one who's responsible for my life. Like living at the end of that whip was just giving away the responsibility for my life, giving away my power in my life to anyone else, mm-hmm. you know? And I was doing this as a, as a way to, you know, try to manipulate folks into giving me what I thought I needed from them. Yeah. It wasn't working. But like once I realized that I actually can be the one in the driver's seat, I'm just so mixing so many metaphors. Why do I have a whip in the driver's seat? I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, that 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 sense of agency really sunk in. Um, that I that responsibility is a is a two edged sword, right? Like responsibility for my life means that I've got to take care of all the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. I've got to face all my all my stuff fearlessly mm-hmm. and really dive in and go there. But it also means that I am the one driving mm-hmm. and and. How exciting is that? Yeah. You know, and, but you can't have one without the other. Right. Like that's, that's one of the things that I learned. The next sort of like overarching sort of theme is, is boundaries. This is a huge one for codependence, like massive. You know, maybe the biggest. Maybe. I mean, they're all tied to each other in some way, but True. like the idea of boundaries being like just de- definitions. Mm-hmm. definitions between what is mine and what is yours and this is my life and this is your it's it's all uh dirty dancing this is my dance space this is your dance space <laughs> like that is what boundaries are you know um but i learned that boundaries that the, the idea that someone else's feelings are theirs yeah and my feelings are mine and i'm not required and in fact it's very bad and dangerous for me with regard to my recovery, to take on other people's feelings um, or to try to control their feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to take on other people's stuff. I'm only responsible for my own stuff. And and I, you know, when I, when I was typing this out and I was like, you know, I don't have to take on other people's feelings. That doesn't mean that I stop caring about other people's feelings mm-hmm. or I stop caring how other people are doing. You know what I mean? Or how other people are feeling. It's in fact the, the the opposite. Like that, having that healthy boundary in place. Like I'm not going to take on board your stuff, and I'm not going to make you take on board my stuff. That boundary actually allows me to have genuine compassion and empathy for people mm-hmm. because it's not me trying to get something out of them or manipulate them. It actually sets in place a structure that allows me to genuinely enter into. Oh, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. Because I can do that without, with the knowledge that I'm not trying to control or change that for them because I can't. Right. I just can't. And it also means that if a friend experiences a downturn of their own, like, or someone we care mm-hmm. about deeply mm-hmm. starts behaving in a negative way or just kind of turns into a different version of themselves that is not okay 
for us in our life, yeah. it means that we don't have to get dragged down with them. Right. It means that like, we don't have to take that on board. We don't have to take it personally. We don't have to wonder what part of it is our fault. <laughs> like none of it. Like at a certain level, it's just like, it's really not our problem. Right. Other right. people's lives are really not our problem. Yes. And we can care yes. in that way, in that empathetic way that we care about people in our society and people who we love. Mm-hmm. But it really can't go any further than mm-hmm. that. You know, like as soon as you start finding yourself like intertwined with or entangled with and another, yeah, with another yeah. person, that's that's very bad. Yeah. And this is because the then you're at the whim of what happens in their life. Right. Totally. See, so in the same way that I learned that like I'm responsible for my life, the other side of that is that everyone else is responsible for their life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not responsible. So and I honestly, this is a this is something that I have been having to revisit in some of my relationships, even recently over the last few years, that someone else's choices mm-hmm. and actions are theirs. Yeah, and my choices and actions are mine, and I am not required. And in fact, it's dangerous and bad for me <laughs> to take responsibility for other people's actions or choices. Mm-hmm. It's this whole idea of sides of the street. Like yeah. that side of the yellow line is theirs. This side is mine. And when I say I've been having to revisit this, it's been like, you know, um, especially in the last couple of years, having people in my life who have, I've seen kind of like go down the like right-wing extremism propaganda hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's painful to see people that I care about going that way. Sure. And I, and it's, and, and I see, I can see how it is isolating them. It's making them unhappy. It's making them more angry. Like I can see the, I can see how it's like detrimental to them. Yeah. From over here on my side of the street, I can see over there and I'm like, oh no. But that looks are, terrible. But these are people I really care about. And so like I am tempted because of my, the way that I have developed these codependent behaviors, I'm tempted to be like, oh gosh, I've got to take responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. Gotta fix it. Gotta fix that. But no, it's not my responsibility you know, and, and and I know folks that are in relationships with people who are active addicts. Mm-hmm. Man, this has got to be so tough. Yeah, to see others making choices that you that you can see. Oh my gosh, if only I could just help. But no, the the boundaries are what keep every everything okay in mm-hmm. my life. And like it's it's actively bad for me to try to interfere in somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. And I can actually love them more genuinely and authentically and have more authentic compassion and empathy for them with those boundaries in place. It, 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 can, it, it is something that, that gives, that reaffirms their own agency and their own humanity by me not trying to interfere. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It does. And, yeah. and you know, I do, I, I want to, say that it's an extreme version of boundaries. What Shannon is describing here is like the pendulum is all the way over to the boundary side of things. And people don't always end up in their life all the way pegged to that extreme side of boundaries. Sometimes people find a middle ground where they have a healthy sense of boundaries, but because they feel confident in themselves and who they are and their boundaries, they feel sometimes more confident reaching across that line to people sometimes, you know? Oh, I, 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 would, I would dispute that frame about a pendulum. I honestly think that the reaching, the reaching across out of empathy and compassion 
is possible only with with well-defined and maintained boundaries for me. Yeah, I agree with that. So like honestly, like that's what, that's what I'm trying to say is like mm. I I can't actually engage in relation in my relationships in my life from a place of genuine compassion and empathy without those very well-defined and yes. maybe what you would just have called extreme boundaries. That's what makes it all work. That's what makes the really that's what makes it possible for me to reach reach out in a genuine way that is not manipulative or controlling right. or that ends up in resentment or hurt. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So that, that's, that's what a good I'm trying way to, to say. say. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I, I feel like what I've learned over the course of, I mean, I learned this early on in recovery and it's just been reinforced over and over and over again that healthy, well-established, well-communicated, well-cared-for boundaries are pretty much the recipe for success in every aspect of my life. Yeah. It's true in my marriage with you. It's Mm -hmm. true in my relationships with family, friends, in my work relationships, like everywhere. It's just, it's like magic. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's like magic. So uh, where are we at here? Is this a good pause point? Do we you know, continue? Where do, what do we do? Sure. We, we could, I, have, I have quite a lot more to talk about. Then so we, we should, should probably pause because yeah. we're right at about an hour 10 right now. Okay, great. And this seems like we've, we've had a real good meaty discussion. So totally. it seems to have come to a good natural pause point. Okay, Would you great. say that? That sounds great. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and who knows, maybe we'll, I don't know if we'll do my next part next week or we'll go to yours. I'm not sure how Boy, we'll do it. it's so exciting. We haven't decided. Tune in next week to find out. But when we get back to my stuff, I, I have really yummy stuff to talk about in terms of like the peace that I have in my life, um, what my recovery has done for my relationships with other people mm-hmm. and what it has done for my relationship with myself. It makes sense to me that we would continue with this next week only okay. because we've paused it now. Why would okay. we put something in the middle? We Great. should just unpause, right? Yeah. Welcome to our production meeting, everybody. Thanks Very for listening. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone has any input, just email it to me at <laughs> I don't care to hear about this at misfitstars.com. <laughs> So, okay. Well, great. Thank you. That was for, snarky. Why was I being snarky? I don't know why you were being snarky, but I'm I'll just... have to go back and delete that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not actually going to delete that, probably. Okay. Well, um, I feel like, I feel like that was kind of like a, like I just fell off a cliff uh, <gasps> at the end of that. There's, there's just so much good stuff. I, 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 I look forward to getting into more, more stuff I learned and what changed. Bad in my cliff? Life. Are you okay? No, it's okay. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. You're just so pause. excited. I'm just so excited to share um, all the stuff because it's very good. It's been good for me. I'd love that. Yeah. But you all, thank you for listening. And um, I hope that I was able to communicate something in some way that was coherent. I, I think so. <laughs> okay, that's good. This was not a linear story. It was very... Uh, but a lot of these aren't though. No, I guess not. You know, I think like all the deeper human experiences are by necessity nonlinear. Grief is mm, one of them, mm-hmm. you know? That whole five stages of grief thing that we get taught about, that's just like bullet points. That's a framework. But I don't think it's numbered one through five. Maybe it's a menu of grief and like you, <laughs> like you experience one of those at any given moment. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's a five item menu, but you have to have... 20 courses. Oh, yeah. Good but you times. can pick really any ones you want. But recovery is similar to that too, yeah. I think, in that in, re, in that regard. Like, I'm constantly relearning lessons. I'm constantly 
getting deeper on some of these ideas um, because I am committed to those maintenance uh, those maintenance things, you know, like yeah. the, the stuff, the maintenance treatment <laughs> for the cancer. And also, you know? like, if your experience is anything like mine, like, it's not always that you're going deeper with stuff. Sometimes it's like you're relearning very basic stuff. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's more. There's more to come. Tune in next week, as they say. Uh, and I'll have more to share with you about stuff that, that has been important to me. But thank you for listening. Yeah, well, hey, thanks appreciate for sharing it. that. I really appreciate it. Cool. People... If you related to anything that Shannon had to say and you want to talk more about it with her or with me, you could do that. You mm-hmm. could just send us a message. You can email us at jamie at misfitstars.com or shannon at misfitstars.com. You could also message us anywhere else you know how to get in touch with us. We're always available to talk about this stuff. It's an important part of both of our recovery experiences to pass it on to, yeah. the, next, to the next person. Absolutely. And you might be the next person. Maybe so. Just want you to know that door's open. Yeah. That trap door's open. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, y'all, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, I guess, with part two of this part two of my stuff. Part uh, 2.2. Part 2.2 of my recovery stuff. Um, and I look forward to sharing with you. Uh, in the meantime, um, gosh, uh, if those of you who are in the Anti-Racist Book and Movie Club, we'll see you on Sunday. Very Get reading. excited. <laughs> Get those chapters read. Um, and that's it for this week. Uh, y'all take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love you all. See you soon. See ya.